We wanted, the station asked me to interview the two guests today because we really wanted to highlight um, some of the issues that are happening with gun safety and gun violence in our community. So we have invited Juniper and Brandy to the show. Hi, guys. Hi. Hello. Hi. Maybe um, just to give us a little background when we, when we're... um, before we get to sort of the the facts and statistics, I would love to hear a little bit about who you are and and what you do. So maybe, um, Brandy, you can start first. Sure. My name is Brandy Steelhammer, and I am the local group leader for Central Oregon Moms Demand Action for Gun Sense in America. Uh, My background is I'm a licensed clinical social worker. Uh, I also am a gun violence survivor. And I'm really passionate about uh, gun safety work because I know there's a lot more we can do to keep our families safe. Wonderful. Um, And what about you, Jennifer? Um, I'm a student at Redmond Proficiency Academy. I'm a sophomore and I've been involved with gun violence since I was 12. I planned a walkout after the Stoneman Douglas shooting. And since then, I've kind of just been involved in activism in other ways. Like, I helped co-plan, co-plan a Stop Asian Hate rally in 2021. And then more recently, I co-planned a walkout on January 19th, 2022, to combat gun violence in my area after the shooting in Michigan. Me and a few of my classmates decided to just kind of take a stand after. And we ended up walking out of class. And yeah, that's kind of just me i guess oh wonderful um <clears throat> i'm i'm curious you said moms demand action um can you give us a little background about that organization you said it's um works with gun violence prevention um is it a national organization and what do you guys do yes we are a national organization that started after the the Sandy Hook shooting in Newtown, Connecticut. It was started by Shannon Watts, a mom of five who just started a Facebook page and it uh, grew and grew into a grassroots movement. So we are in every state uh, as well as Washington, DC. We are all volunteers Mm. and we work to uh, elect gun sense candidates. We work at the local level to um, bring awareness to gun safety laws, to gun statistics, that there are a lot of myths out in the media. And um, so we are the boots on the ground group that is working in communities throughout the United States. We are connected to every town for gun safety. We merged those two organizations uh, and the every town for gun safety is our policy and uh, research arm of our organization. Mm. And did you want to add something? Uh, no. <laughs> okay. Um, and then, so how did you get involved specifically with this organization? So um, this was not super long ago, but I was uh, emailed by Brandy to be a part of their kind of like biggest event of the year where they talk to their local representatives. It's usually out in D.C., but they just couldn't go there this year. So it was over Zoom, and I ended up being able to speak to Jack Zika, and I almost spoke to Tim Not, but he did not show up to the Zoom meeting. But yeah, it's kind of like how I got connected. Uh, a few of the Moms Demand Action people actually showed up to the walkout, and I got a few cards, and then I got a letter, and that's kind of what really connected me with them mm-hmm. as an organization. How how large is the local char- um, chapter? 
Yes, well, we have um, approximately 300 supporters uh, before the last two weeks, before Buffalo and Uvalde tragedies. Um, currently, we have been notified that in the last two weeks, we have 400 new supporters signed up here in Central Oregon and 5,000 new supporters throughout Oregon. Mm, wow. Yeah, that's interesting because uh, <clears throat> Oregon is a, a gun-toting state for sure. So Yeah, definitely. Uh, um, you said um, you want gun sense laws, and I'm mm -hmm. curious if you can give me a little idea of, of what that would look like. What does that mean? Yeah, so we need a federal background check law that will uh, make sure that anyone purchasing a firearm has a background check for every single gun sale. So currently, some states have loopholes at their gun shows. Also, private sales um, are not uh, mandated to have background checks in every state. So there are many loopholes. Here in Oregon, we have a loophole, uh, and other, many other states do too. The Charleston loophole is an NRA-backed loophole that um, if your background check does not come back within three days, then you can still purchase. You can have that firearm given to you mm. if you have purchased it and your background check is not back within three days. And statistically, uh, when background checks do not come back within three days, the statistics show us that more often they are denied. Mm. How often do, do you know how often that happens locally or in Oregon? My understanding um, is I don't have Oregon stats nationally. Most background checks come back within the three days. It's it's not uh, common for it to take longer than that. But if it does, we certainly should not be handing a firearm to someone whose background check has not come back approved. Mm, yes, yes, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I, I, I was hoping... Um, Maybe, Juniper, could you give um, some thoughts about um, the recent tragedies, the recent shootings in, in Buffalo and Uvalde? I feel like being a student in this day and age is a lot different than it was 10 or 20 years ago, just because it's a lot more, there's a lot more prevalence of gun violence more recently just because of the access that people have to guns. And seeing the shootings happen again and again, it's not just like horrifying being a student, but it's also just like heartbreaking that nothing's being done because of it. Like we see the shooting, we see it happen, we get the list of victims' names, and then we just move on. We get about maybe a week or two, if we're lucky, of, you know, people talking about it, things, thinking, thinking that things were going to be done about it, and then we just get nothing. And not just from the point of view of a student, but I also work at a daycare with kids aged from six months to five. And living in a day and age where I, as a 16-year-old, I'm working with kids and I also have to worry about like protecting them in the sense of like they don't know what's happening. They're young kids. And just, you know, coming into work more recently and just having to think about like what would I do if there was a possible like shooter in the building? How could I protect the kids that are at my work? It's just like... It's just so repetitive that it's exhausting to just be a student and just be a person in America and constantly have a fear of being murdered by someone with a gun. Mm. So um, I'm, I'm a mom. I have two kids in elementary and they often have to do like monthly drills yeah. <clears throat> to prepare for the possibility of a shooter. And my youngest, who's now in second grade, when they first started to do it, it was really scary for her. Yeah. She didn't really understand. So we had to do a lot of talking. So I'm curious because really you've grown up in this gun shooting, gun violence at like towards children yeah. um, culture. And do you, 
I, I'm just I'm so curious how you think it's maybe shaped your view of safety and um, well-being in a in an environment that you know you're supposed to be safe. I mean, it's always kind of on someone's mind when you're in a classroom of like what's going to happen. But I also just feel like I've seen it not only affect me but like also my mom. Like my mom is a very you know liberal woman. She's very anti-gun. We have no weapons in our home, and like. The scariest thing is, like, when I go somewhere, I go to school, like, going to a friend's house, my mom has to ask, like, do they have a gun in the home? And I feel like it's just kind of heartbreaking in the sense of, like, obviously I have these fears, but it's like they also come with my mom as well. Like, no mom should have to feel like, oh, what's going to happen when my child's at school? What's going to happen when they go to the grocery store, go to church, or go to a friend's house? So it's like, not only do I have my own personal fears, but when I also hear that my mom has these kind of similar fears from like a parental point of view, it almost makes it just 10 times more real because then I'm like, oh, like, you know, I don't want to scare my mom. I don't want my mom to feel this way. And it just kind of, you know, it plays into my fear as well because Mm -hmm. when a parent or an adult is scared about something, it just like, it makes me even more scared. And it's just, it's, yeah, it's definitely a really weird time to be a student when you know I just finished like AP testing and like I'm about to be done and it's just like will I almost be safer during summer because I'm not going to school every day Mm. it's like that shift from going to school every day and now not going it like almost improves my feeling of safeness Mm -hmm. yeah and and what I'm thinking about is uh, that feeling of safety right like it's a tangible feeling in our nervous system where we can yeah. be calm and responsive and we can take in a lot of information and we can respond to our environment in a very like loving and open way. But if you have to constantly shield and worry and be concerned, it, it seems like that's like a, a revving in the nervous system where you're kind of in that fight and flight. Yeah. And, and, you know, you can't, you know, consume and digest information as well when you're in that state, which, yeah. you know, it's like, Anti what we're trying to do (laughs) in the education system. It just seems like even then it might be even harder to learn. Yeah, and I feel like you almost become desensitized when you're brought up in such a gun-heavy time. It's like, you know, it's obviously very sad that another shooting happens, but it's like, I've been talking about this for four years. Like, there's this fight has been going on for me for four years, and like seeing like people in power every single time just move on after it's like exhausting and it like makes you lose hope in the sense of like ever being able to go to school or go to my job where I work with kids and feel safe and have like a definitive no, like knowing that they're going to be safe at school. Yeah. And it's like growing up in this kind of time, it's makes me scared for like when they're growing up, like are they going to live in the same kind of gun heavy time that I lived in and Mm -hmm. I was a student in, are they going to have these exact same fears when I'm, when they're my age? Like what is their future as a student going to look like? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Thank you for sharing that. Um, Brandy, I was curious if you can share your recent, your thoughts about the recent shootings. Yeah. Well, first of all, my heart goes out to the Buffalo and Uvalde communities. Uh, My heart is just shattered for them. And I'm going to honor those victims with action. Um, I think we really have to acknowledge that communities of color are bearing the brunt of America's inaction on gun violence. Uh, Uvalde is a predominantly uh, Latinx community. And the shooting in Buffalo was a racist attack uh, on a black community by a white supremacist. And we all deserve to feel safe in school, at work, at the store, in our neighborhoods. 
uh, no matter what our race or our immigration status or the zip code that we live in. Hmm. Yeah. Yes, I agree. Um, <clears throat> so in the last few years, several organizations have focused on gun violence research. So we have quite a better understanding um, now about this data. Um, can you share some of those statistics with us? Sure. Um, it's heartbreaking to report that as of 2020, gun violence is the leading cause of death for children and teenagers in the United States. Mm. It has surpassed car accidents uh, and it is 100% preventable. Um, we can absolutely prevent the majority of these deaths. Um, America's gun homicide rate is 26 times that of other peer nations. So we will often hear people say, well, it's mental illness or it's violent video games or it's social media. And what we have to acknowledge is that all other nations have violent video games. They have social media. They have people who have mental illness. Um, they have divorce. What they don't have is the gun culture that we have in the United States that right now is putting the right to bear arms above safety. And I do want to add that my family is a gun-owning family. I grew up here in Oregon uh, watching my family members hunt, and um, I have target practiced with guns. My husband and my, my sons are hunters, and I fully support um, the right to bear arms for those purposes. Uh, can, and we can, we can have both. Can we pause? Can we pause on that? Because um, I kind of want to go a little bit further on this point. Um, mm -hmm. So me personally, I, I grew up in a home, a path with my father's a pacifist, vegetarian, completely against all of that. And I, and I lived in the city, not in Oregon. Um, and I had a lot of ideas about the hunting culture. Right. And then I married a hunter. And I moved to Oregon and I got to see that most of the hunting culture has a high consciousness around guns and okay. children are taught really early how to respect a gun and and deal with a gun. And if you become a hunter, you have to take all of these gun safety courses, like hours and hours and hours of just how to like be with a gun and deal with a gun. And so I, I think I think that's an interesting what you just said, because I think that's that gets a little mixed up. Sometimes there's this idea that the hunting community um, is for gun violence and doesn't care so much, you know, they a lot of them don't think we should be able to buy an AR gun, you know, and and use that. So um, I, I appreciate that you brought that up. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, I totally agree with what you said. And we need more gun owners to speak out, because this has been, again, a very effective um, way that the gun lobby has used propaganda uh, and a fear that uh, organizations like Moms Demand Action is wanting to take away everybody's guns. Um, and that simply is not true. We have many, many gun owners involved in our movement and we can, we can respect the second amendment and keep our families safe with mm -hmm. common sense gun laws. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It, it can be both. It doesn't have to be one or the other. Yeah. Um, I saw recently that since January 2022, there's been 38 school shootings. 
in five months, there's been 38 school shootings in the U.S. Yeah, and I think there have been over 200 um, mass shootings uh, in 2022 here in the U.S. Wow. It's horrifying. Yeah, yeah. It seems like uh, nobody's going to be left untouched, you know, with those numbers. We're all affected personally on a very individual level yeah and like the actual like ripple effect of a gun like mass shooting doesn't just affect the people who are involved in it it affects their family members it affects the surrounding communities like the amount of victims that a mass shooting takes is not just those who are in the building when it happened Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's such a good point and we actually i will say that our organization has created i have appreciated having a language to speak about Uh, being a survivor of gun violence because we don't have a language to discuss that. That's not a very easy thing to discuss. And um, I did not consider myself a gun violence survivor until I got involved with Moms Demand Action and really started to unpack the fact that there are five people that I have cared for in Oregon who have died by either gun suicide or gun homicide. Mm -hmm. And so, and I was not in the room when that happened. Um, And so many of us start to unpack as we get involved in gun violence prevention that the ripple effects of gun violence are so wide. Um, And if anybody is out here listening and needs support as a survivor of gun violence, uh, we have a program. We have um, a program through Everytown. It's called the Everytown Survivor Network. And you can text the word survivor to 64433 to get connected to support. Hmm. Yeah, thank you for sharing that resource. Brandy, a couple times um, during our last conversation, you mentioned being a survivor of gun violence. I'm curious, what is, what is a survivor of gu- gun violence? A survivor of gun violence is someone who has either directly been either shot and wounded um, or um or in a room where that has happened is present when there has been a gun violence incident happen, or it is someone who has had someone they care about uh, either shot and killed or shot and wounded or threatened with a firearm. Mm. So, um, and you can also be a gun violence survivor if you have not been injured, but you might have been threatened. And this happens very often in domestic violence situations. Mm. So what I'm, um, some examples would be, um, I have somebody that I know whose neighbor was shot uh, and killed in her street. Um, And my neighbor uh, did not see it happen, but um, it was her neighbor. Um, That can be very impactful for somebody. Mm. Um, It can be someone, I have another person that I know who uh, was a child when the Columbine shooting happened and it was their community and they have struggled very much with PTSD from the Columbine high school shooting. Mm. Um, So we often discount how much communities um, and people are impacted when somebody dies from Mm. gun violence. Mm. Yes, that last comment, I feel like on every single level, we are so impacted by each other uh, deeply, deeply. So thank you for mentioning that. And um, I'm curious with your situation, how did that change you? 
you said you had a gun violence situation. Did it make you become more of an activist? Did it change your uh, thoughts and feelings around guns and what's happening in the U.S. around guns? Yeah, you know, I uh, I was 25 when gun violence first impacted my life. And up until that point, I had uh, been very fortunate to have healthy family members. There had been no um, major traumatic issues um, with loved ones or friends. And so it really just, uh, the impact was huge Mm -hmm. of how unsafe, how everything can change Mm -hmm. in a second. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't think I was galvanized to join uh, and really become an activist about it until my uh, 20-year-old son was a freshman in high school here in Ben Lapine. And he came home one day and he he had very specific plans about which what he would do in certain classrooms to survive a a shooting. Mm. Mm. And he had very, very specific plans for each classroom. And he told me, Mom, if I'm in math or I'm in Spanish, those are in upstairs classrooms. He said, I'm dead. Mm. There's nowhere for me to go. Mm. Um, And that is the moment I decided I had to get involved because I needed to be able to look my boys in the eye and tell them that I'm doing every single thing I can Mm -hmm. to help prevent their injury or death by firearm. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Um, and, and I think we'll, we'll speak to more to that later on in the show of how, what we can do on the individual level, um, to do just exactly what you said. And, but I was hoping we can maybe, um, go back to some of the statistics you shared earlier. And I'm curious on a local level, um, what does gun violence look like in Oregon? So in Oregon, uh, 81% of our yearly gun deaths are suicide by firearm. And it is a great myth that suicide cannot be prevented. Uh, What we know is that uh, people are much more at risk when there is a firearm present. So if people lock their guns and store them uh, securely and separate, uh, unloaded uh, and separate from ammunition, we can save lives. Um, and in Deschutes County, we actually have one person per week die by, by suicide mm-hmm. and 57% of suicides in Deschutes County are by firearm. Mm. So the majority of gun deaths are firearm mm. and most people will survive a, fi- a, a suicide attempt if a firearm is not the means that they use. Hmm. And secondly, another myth is that, well, it doesn't matter because the person will just, if they don't succeed the first time, they'll do it again. They'll try again a different way. And that's not true. The data does not back that up. Hmm. Wow. Most people who attempt do not go on to attempt again. Right, right. Yes. I didn't realize it was one a week and 57% is from a firearm. That's that's a lot. Um, so... Um, what can the Central Oregon's community do to keep um, keep us safe from gun violence? The best thing that gun owners can do is to lock their firearms, keep them locked, keep them unloaded and separate from ammunition. Mm-hmm. That is the number one thing that they can do. 
the Bend Police Department has let me know that vehicles being stolen is one of the biggest crimes in our area. And it's not uncommon for them to find unlocked firearms in those stolen vehicles. Mm. Um, And not only is this a problem locally, it is a problem nationally Mm. where firearms are used in crime. Firearms where the, the car was stolen and there's an unsecured firearm in that vehicle, then that gun gets used in crime. Mm. So when gun owners are transporting their firearms, if they keep them loaded, I'm sorry, unloaded and locked in their vehicle uh, and keep their vehicle door locked, Mm -hmm. that can go a long ways. You know, I've always wondered about this, too. Um, You know, robberies, house robberies, is that another way that a lot of people access firearms? Um, unintentional or you know, intentionally? I don't have any data about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would be a great question to be asking our uh, local sheriff's office and police department. Um, what I do know is the statistics show that a gun, that we always hear about the good guy with the gun is going to be able to take out the bad guy with the gun. And the data does not back that up. Mm. Um, And yes, now and then we get to hear about that uh, happening. Mm. Uh, But too often, uh, the good guy with the gun is not able to take out the bad guy with the gun. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it takes a certain consciousness to want to shoot somebody, even if you're defending yourself. So that that makes sense to me. I mean, most people are probably pretty scared to do that. So so you talked about background checks, that there's a sort of loophole in Oregon with the three-day. Um, besides that, do we have a, a fairly comprehensive background check process in Oregon? We do. We have a pretty good process in Oregon for background checks. Uh, however... What what the crux of the issue is in the United States is that we have patchwork gun laws in different states. And so being able to go across state lines to a, a state with a weaker gun law mm. is doable. Um, and so we need comprehensive federal laws that go across state lines. Mm. And one of the best examples of that is that the gun lobby will often point to Chicago's strict gun laws and how it doesn't help, how Chicago is awash in gun violence um, and what what the media has not shared enough about is the fact that Indiana, which is right next door mm-hmm. to Chicago, has some of the weakest gun laws in the United States. Mm. So those mm. weapons are just coming right across straight lines, mm. straight state lines. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, wow. Um, what else? What else can Central Oregon Oregonians do um, in terms of gun violence safety? I think one of the important things for Central Oregonians to realize is that in Oregon we have what's called a red flag law, and that allows law enforcement or a family member to ask for a civil order called an extreme risk protection order. Um, If they have someone that they know, somebody, either a loved one, um, or if law enforcement is aware of a person who is in crisis, if somebody's in crisis and could be at risk uh, to hurt themselves or someone else with their firearms, uh, they can ask for an extreme risk protection order from a judge. It is a civil order. The court hearing is supposed to happen within 24 hours. 
And those guns can be removed for up to a year uh, mm -hmm. while that person gets the help that they need. Uh, it's not a criminal order. It doesn't go on their on their on a criminal record, um, and it is temporary. And they can earn those guns back once they're stabilized. Mm. Yeah, that sort of takes uh, a community effort in terms of like uh, reporting this person and and even like noticing that someone is struggling because I, I feel like that's part of also the problem is we're not always so aware, you know, we're really consumed in our own life and whatever, 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 that we're not noticing the person next to us or the person on the street really is about to freak out or is really struggling, really, you know, needs help. So um, I would assume the red flag log sounds like a great law, but um, it, it probably isn't as effective as it could be because, it, because of that. It depends on the reporting part. Yeah, I think that we, we still have um, police agencies in Oregon that can do a much better job of utilizing this tool. And uh, luckily, Ben PD has a history of um, utilizing this tool pretty well. Um, I'm less confident in our sheriff's office in their use of, of this tool. And we can really protect people. There, there have been incidents here where if uh, an extreme risk protection order had been implemented, that perhaps a tragedy could have been avoided here mm -hmm. in Deschutes County. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, can you tell us about uh, the Be Smart program? Yes, our Be Smart for Kids program is a gun safety program that is focused on putting the responsibility on adults to keep children safe from mm -hmm. guns. There are other gun safety programs out there that focus on telling the child not to touch the gun, where really the responsibility is being put on the child. Mm -hmm. And while those are important, of course, we have to teach our children uh, to not touch guns. The onus is on the adults, and we, we have to put that responsibility. Parents uh, and grandparents and aunts and uncles really should not be putting loaded guns in their bedside drawer or on top of their dresser where they think kids can't get it mm. because the kids know. Mm -hmm. You may think they don't know, but they know. Yeah. Uh, and so people can go to besmartforkids.org and there's a lot of great resources about mm. that program. Mm. Yeah, it reminds me of the darkness to light programs, which is the same. Like it's our, our responsibility as adult to keep our children safe from predators, sexual predators and gun violence, really. Um, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Um, Juniper, I'm, I'm curious, you've just been sitting there so patiently listening. And do you want to, is there anything you want to chime in about some, that we've been talking about? <clears throat> I feel like it's... Um, a lot it's just kind of overlooked like taking responsibility for being a safe gun owner sometimes just in the sense of like when people have the ability to not be a safe gun owner then they feel that they don't need to you know keep their guns unloaded and unlocked but it really just breaks my heart when I hear about parents who make that choice you know being a child and being you know a daughter to a person is just like such a deep and you know close and happy connection and to think that my mom whatever put me in that kind of danger of having an unlocked and loaded gun in the house is just like horrifying to think about. Mm. And I can't imagine what kind of like feelings some of those children have about being in a 
home with mm. an unlocked gun and a gun that is you know loaded mm. it would just raise my fear of anxiety about you know being a victim to gun violence just mm. so much higher you mentioned earlier that your mom asked you know your friend's parents about or you know, to check in about their gun situation at home i'm curious have at home have you had some education around gun safety yeah 100 percent. when i was um 12 doing the walkout at stoneman douglas my mom was in the front lines helping me getting my emails out getting my letters sent to our representatives like she was on the front lines with me like helping me through everything getting me places i need to be at to talk to people about it just everything i grew up in a very like you know safe household but also a very educated child my mom told me about everything i needed to know in the terms of safety and gun violence and you know i was just brought up in a very educated way like Mm. when i was a young child i've always been a very like loud and stubborn person but like (laughs) i was made that way because of my mom my Mm -hmm. mom is Mm -hmm. kind of the inspiration of my activism because when she was not just my age but sometimes older she was always involved in activism she Mm. was a big part of take back the night she's worked with like saving grace in the past Mm. like my mom did everything she could to make sure that i knew the like the reasons to be like precautious around like guns and also just how to know that I'm in a safe place without guns. Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. Um, I'm curious um, if we could talk a little bit about the term, uh, like what the media uses gun control and and how that can be a little deceptive. Sure. I think um, that's a really common uh, phrase. And unfortunately, uh, media has picked that up and really run with that. And Um, as we know, nobody likes to be controlled. And so when the NRA and the gun manufacturers, which make up the gun lobby, when they use the term gun control, it's really stirring up their base to get angry Mm -hmm. and to be concerned that they're going to be tried to, you know, we're going to control you or take all of your guns away. Mm -hmm. So in our advocacy work, we use the word gun safety and we use gun violence prevention Mm -hmm. uh, to because that is what we're after. Uh, yeah, that makes more common sense. And, and it seems like it, that would definitely have a huge play on people's perception of what's happening and what people, you know, what's being done. So um, I appreciate that. <clears throat> um, what about Congress? Um, what can Congress do to decrease gun violence? Yeah, there's so many things that that we can do. One of the surprising things is many people don't know that we right now do not have a head of our Bureau of Tobacco, of Alcohol, Tobacco and Firearms. The ATF does not have a leader and has not for quite some time. So this is the agency that enforces our gun laws and it proactively shuts off the pipeline of illegal guns in the United States. Mm. And it right now does not have a leader. Do we know why? Why we don't have a leader? Uh, It has to do with the gun lobby and Mm. has to do with the effective, uh, you know, really that Congress is at an impasse. Uh, They really are not communicating well over gun safety legislation and um, trying to improve gun safety for Americans. Mm. So we can do our job by getting a hold of our senators and uh, reps and letting them know that we want them to confirm the ATF leader. Mm. Yeah, good idea. What's the age? No, you go ahead. 
You go ahead. Oh, I was going to say we can also um, really we can raise the the age of purchasing firearms. Right now, um, the age is uh, 21 to buy a handgun, mm-hmm. but not a long gun. You can be 18 mm-hmm. to buy a long gun. So mm-hmm. at 18, my son can't go to a bar. He can't uh, go and get. Uh, he can't rent a car, Mm -hmm. uh, but he can go and buy a firearm, Mm -hmm. a long gun Mm -hmm. uh, legally. And so we would like to see that age raised to 21. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it makes me wonder how many people um, who are committing gun violence towards other are sort of in that age range, you know, they're 18 and and able to purchase their own gun. And uh, you probably don't know, but it just, well, we've seen that in the Buffalo shooting and Mm -hmm. the Uvalde shooting. Yeah. That's why I thought of it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Um, So from 21 to what do you suggest? Raising it to what? Well, I think right now, if we we could, it would be helpful if we could raise the age from 18 to 21 for the long guns. Yeah. For the rifles and the shotguns. Okay. If that can be raised to 21, that would be a huge change. we still, you know, our brains aren't fully developed at age 21. So that's a something we need to think about is mm. do we want kids whose brains aren't fully developed at 21 having guns? But it would be a whole lot better than age 18. Yeah. Yeah. And, and interesting about that point is um, most men, most boys or whatever, their brains develop even later than women. So women is more like the 25 and men is more like the 30. You know, so that would be interesting, even if it got pushed back to even further when their brains were way more fully developed. That's a really interesting point you just made. Um, What about regulating assault weapons? Yeah, the regulating assault weapons, I think we just have to keep a really, we've got to look real closely at how those are marketed uh, and why are these guns on our streets? Yeah. Um, I saw an, an ad the other day for a child size AR-15. Oh my gosh. What are we doing? <laughs> what in the heck are we doing? Yeah. Um, and then there's the, uh, the PLCAA uh, Act, which is called the Protection of Lawful Commerce in Arms Act. And George W. Bush signed this in 2005 and it was backed by the NRA mm. and it basically gives gun dealers and manufacturers um, a pass when it comes to liability. Hmm. They are, it is very difficult hmm. to sue a gun dealer or a gun manufacturer hmm. uh, for being irresponsible. And, and so when you think about commerce and capitalism in the U.S., we are held accountable. We're incentivized. Businesses are incentivized when there can be um, consequences, mm. and and they they cannot. They're not having consequences. So we need to repeal that act. Mm. Yeah, and just thinking about that, I think on many different levels in our culture, we need more responsibility. So. Yeah, that's a that's a big one. Um, you know, we have about 10 minutes left. And I, I, I know you guys are just doing wonderful things in our community. And um, I'm curious if you could help us on on a local level, a state level, and also, you know, a government, uh, you know, national level. 
what can we do to empower ourselves to make make positive change? I think we have to get off of our couches and look. We we have to stop looking for this to be solved elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, our our leaders at the state and national level have proven over and over that they're at an impasse and they are not being pushed hard enough. Um, if we, the people, take enough action, they will have to decide that the money they're getting from the gun lobby isn't enough. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are things we can do. Yeah. And people who are ready to get involved in our work can text READY to 64433. There are very small ways. Uh, you can join a Twitter team where you're sending out data and facts uh, every week on the Twitter team. There are bigger ways to get involved with legislation. Uh, it, we have a lot of different different ways that people can uh, join our movement. Mm. That's wonderful. And, you know, uh, a resource that you shared with me is um, to find candidates who are committed to standing up for gun safety. Can you give us that uh, website? Yes. So we have a distinction program called the Gun Sense Candidate Distinction, and it is gunsensevoter.org. And it's being continually updated. And those are the the candidates that you want to vote for because they are they have uh, decided that they are going to stand up for gun safety mm-hmm. in their work when they get elected. Mm. And so we really, um, that is a great resource mm. to, te- to put voters toward. And, and I'm curious on, for your organization, you know, the one that you're part of, Moms Demand Action, do you guys take financial donations? We do take financial donations on our website, momsdemandaction.org. And uh, we are also connected to Every Town for Gun Safety. So that is another place that you can donate. And this money is being used to fight the gun lobby. We are the gun lobby's biggest nightmare, Mm -hmm. and we will continue to be as the largest uh, gun violence prevention organization nationally. Mm -hmm. And so your donations are very helpful. I feel like you want to change the world. You piss off a mom, and she's going to change it for you. I mean, you know, we yeah. need, we definitely need help as moms, but man, moms are a force. So, yeah, uh, and I should say, I should make a point of, um, and should have said this at the beginning of the show that our organization involves way more than moms. Mm-hmm. So, Moms Demand Action is our name, but we have moms and dads mm-hmm. and neighbors and grandparents and Students Demand Action uh, mm-hmm. is its own organization connected to us, uh, and so anybody can join our movement mm. but yeah don't don't uh tick off a mom when our <laughs> when our baby's lives are at risk we're gonna act oh even if, if another baby's life is at risk oh it's just heartbreaking yes uh juniper you're doing some rad things let's hear about it what's going on so on june 11th in washington dc there's gonna be a march slash kind of rally under the march for our lives organization and me and the same girl isabel richards who did the walkout in january have decided to put on a protest slash like march on the 11th at 1 p.m we're going to meet at the peace corner and there's going to be speakers and we're also going to have t-shirts that you can buy and the money will be donated to uh, most likely moms demand action 
And yeah, it's just kind of a way for not just students like it was last time to get involved, but also just like just like how Brandy said, parents, moms, teachers, everyone. Um, this is the kind of issue that needs everyone. We need to unify against the guns and we need to use that kind of force that we all have by coming together and end the prevalence of it in our in our country. Mm. Where's the Peace Corner? The Peace Corner is at the corner of Wall Street and Green something. Mm-hmm. So it's the one Greenwood. near the bank. Greenwood, yes. The one near mm-hmm. the bank. Um, and yeah, so there's been a, that's kind of the hotspot for protests. And yeah, we're hoping to have some speakers and just, you know, really show our support and our want to end gun violence. Mm. Are you um, going to have a lot of students with you? I'm, I'm assuming because you're yeah, our student. We you're hope so. To- we're also talking to a few people who are on the Redmond School Board into coming mm-hmm. in and just mm-hmm. kind of being there. Um, a little more recently, I had tried to work with Liz Goodrich to mm-hmm. get a policy passed in Redmond for the school board to, it was called KGGB. It was a policy that would prohibit um, civilians from bringing guns on the campus, mm-hmm. and they decided to not pass it. So I would like the school board to come and see how many people are in support of this. Wait, civilians can bring guns yes. on campus? Well, school grounds. So it kind of, it also includes like, yeah, so yeah. Really? Wow, yes. that's shocking. I mean, you can't smoke on campus. No, you can't. You can bear arms on yes. campus. Wow. Yeah, so that and was a little more recently. Yes, and Ben, that's a new, um, newly passed legislation, Senate Bill 554, that gave local jurisdictions, uh, school, school boards in particular, uh, the option of banning weapons from their school grounds, mm. whereas before they were not allowed to make that decision on their own. So um, we mm. are thankful to the Ben Lapine School District because they have chosen to pass that policy. Mm-hmm. And uh, whether you have a concealed permit, uh, you know, even if you have a concealed carry permit, you are not allowed to carry on school grounds. Seems reasonable. Apparently and not home in Oregon. Yeah. Hopefully Redmond will come along, but currently they uh, have chosen not to to take yeah. action. I would assume some of the smaller communities in Oregon that are more of a hunting type community probably would make the same choice. Not not that I agree with it, but I'm not surprised, I guess. Yeah, it's almost just more sad because so many people don't even know what's happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no clue. Yeah. And I didn't know about what you just shared. So that's that's interesting. Yeah, I, I've been hearing, too, that people are saying, oh, we, we should um, have the, the teachers packing guns in the classroom. <laughs> Oh my God. It's a terrible, terrible idea. Uh, yeah, it puts yeah. students more at risk. It puts mm-hmm. teachers at risk. Mm-hmm. And um, it's like putting a band aid over like a, like a gunshot wound. Mm-hmm. It's like literally putting a band aid over it and just expecting it to just be fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And, and it's like, you know, we don't, we don't trust our teachers to uh, pick books for our children, but we, yeah. we trust them with a gun. We can't so. talk about gay people in school. We can allow guns on campus. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Um, and any last words, last thoughts with our last two minutes, Brandy or Juniper, that you want to share? Just to reiterate, re- reiterate um, June 11th, 1 p.m., corner of uh, Greenwood and Wall Street, mm-hmm. on the Peace Corner, there will be a protest to end gun violence. Mm-hmm. And I would just like to thank you for taking this time. Uh, and I encourage everybody listening to find some way to get involved. Uh, we, the time has passed for Americans to stand up and uh, 
our kids are watching us and they're scared. Our kids are really scared. Mm -hmm. And it's time we we have to fix this as mm -hmm. the adults. And we can. We know what we need to do. Mm -hmm. So join us. Join us. And, and Brandy, how can people contact you? Uh, do you have yeah. a, a Instagram, Facebook, email, something? They, yeah, they can contact um, our team by email at centralormoms, centralormoms at gmail.com. And they can also find Moms Demand Action uh, slash dash, sorry, org, Moms Demand Action dash or OR for Oregon on Facebook. And uh, those are ways that they can get connected to our team as well. Mm -hmm. And you can text READY to 644-33. Will you be there on the June 11th? I um, am going to be speaking to Juniper about that. Um, we will hope to have somebody from our team there. I just found out about this event today. So <laughs> yeah, you on we're, the spot. Gonna, we're going to coordinate. Yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> well, wonderful. Thank you, guys. Thank you, both of you, to, to all the work that you're doing on many different levels, Juniper. It's so uh, wonderful seeing a young person um, so mindful and conscious. And, and Brandy, yeah, keep it up. Uh, really appreciate all that you guys are doing. Yeah, thank you for having us. Yeah. Thank you. You've been listening to a KPOV Critical Conversation to hear more engaging interviews on important topics, please visit kpov.org slash critical dash conversations.